It's opening day. It feels so good to say that. Toronto Blue Jays, back. Baseball, back. Shorter baseball games, here. Alec Manoa, one of my favorite athletes on the mound today, throwing, getting to watch him do his thing. New players, new optimism. It's beautiful. And in tradition, as is tradition, I will speak with Ben Ennis today about the Toronto Blue Jays. As they, hey, you remember when we did that pandemic show where we did a funny that's what exactly what I was I was like, you know what? This is better than yeah, yeah. in in April of twenty twenty uh doing a show wistfully of what could have been opening day while we saw put yourself there. You're at the ballpark, see? <laughs> yeah, You're we should have honestly we should have done sound effects. We should have got like a little bat to, like yeah. We should have played out the yeah. game. The Sounds of Spring featuring JD and Ben. Oh, it's a base hit down the middle. Buddy, honestly, like, I'm not even kidding. We did so many weirdo shows about so many non-sports or sports-adjacent things during that span. How did we not do that? Like, that, we could have actually probably done a a decent half hour of of fake baseball. It was a real missed opportunity. We yeah. can't go back, and we can't change the past now and do a fake baseball game. Yeah. That would have been a hit. Had we just no delivered kidding. people, like, a fake baseball game with of sound course. effects and then just have done it where, hey, this is the – what What was that nerdy thing Wilner used to play, Stratocaster? Out of the park baseball. No, that's a guitar. Stat- Stratomatic? Is that what it's called? Uh – yeah, I don't know. This is all the same thing. Out of the park, <laughs> yeah, baseball, whatever. It's all the simulation but baseball. those those baseball simulators, we could have done that just one time, but with the sound effects in the game. Imagine it was yeah. just a Blue Jays blowout, though. It was like, and the Jays are well, down fourteen. No, what fake, we could have done is just rigged it. We could have written the script for yeah, an amazing that's game, like game after game. Just no, amazing because if it was scripted, drama. then it wouldn't have been as fun. People would have known that we were going to make. And the Blue Jays come back down seven. <laughs> no, runs. they would lose occasionally. I Wait, you this would want to have done this every thing. day? No, yeah, every we could have only, no, we could have only done this times. once. You're right, though. I wish. Wait, I just want to do the aluminum foil bang thing where it's thunder. It's like, oh no, the, it's rain delay. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to rain delay programming. <laughs> it's like we have to go to a different show that fills in for the fake baseball game. That would have been meta. That would have been amazing. By the way, like this is you've, we talked about how baseball is having a moment here, and baseball feels yeah. like it's it's touched by God the the last yeah. couple of weeks. Um, the way everything's going, World Baseball Classic, all the rules and everything. I mean, no greater example than apparently today being a great weather day in St. Louis. Tomorrow, the off day that's built in in case there is a rainout, being like 90% chance of rain in St. Louis, and then the weekend, beautiful again. So well done, baseball somehow controlling the weather as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. Once you start controlling the weather, that's a big that's a big move for baseball. Congrats big, to big them. Big deal. Yeah, so, man, I... It's. I've mentioned this to you. I think I've mentioned this to a lot of people. I talked about it with Shulman earlier in the week about how it didn't feel as buzzy for me with the Jays this year because and and I put it together and I I think that my my theory is a sound one, which is one 
that the year before there was way more excitement because the Blue Jays truly left you wanting more, where they finished the year by missing the playoffs by a game, and then they had a spring where Vladdy came out and said, this is the trailer, not the, or that was the trailer, now this is the movie. He was coming off of an MVP campaign. We wanted to see more from him. The way they lost last year was tough. There's been way more discussion about rules than there has really been about the team, right? Um, yeah, there's been some departing players, and some of the guys that have come in are definitely like interesting pieces. We'll get into some of them, but none of them have been really like popping quotes or having huge springs. And it's not really a sport that's overly conducive to that. But yeah, the guy of spring, I would say, has been Chris Bassett tinkering with the pitch clock. There hasn't been a lot of just, to me, anyways, just hype generating conversations about the Jays. Did you read Shy yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, Shai even put out the piece where I thought it was pretty interesting that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. really seems to be taking more of a leadership role. But, yeah, his quote this time around was, we have a better WhatsApp group and we go to more dinners together. I was like, all right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sell it, sell it. Yeah. If this was a pay-per-view, the Blue Jays would be doing, I think, a pretty horrible job. But the closer this thing has gotten, for me anyways, the more excitement I'm starting to build simply because – I think that in years past, the Jays have had very splashy off-seasons with adding that, like, one big name, right? Where you go, man, I can't wait to see Hunjin Ryu. Man, I can't wait to see George Springer. Man, I can't wait to see Kevin Gossman, right? Like, big-ticket names. Whereas this off-season, they didn't have the massive, splashy free agent signing. They added a bunch of guys who just fit. And now coming into the year, I, I think that I... I'm just going to put my hand up. I think I nitpicked a little bit during the off season. I think that I looked at what could go wrong versus what could yep. go right. I was reading I a lot of it. season previews, looking at a lot of the different teams and the composition of teams. And like at Yankees camp, they're writing about how Volpe won the shortstop job and all their pitchers are dead. <laughs> like yep. None of them are survived the spring. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, I think the Jays are the best team in the American League. And I think that they are going to actually win this division. And I am more excited for this team in terms of just the ceiling of them than a year ago, which I think is pretty surprising given how I was feeling about last year's team. Wow. So this is a big, like, for, for people who are maybe not familiar with your general Blue Jays takes going into seasons might think that this is, like, your thing, that you're pandering to Blue Jays fans. No, you are normally, like, tamp down the hype. And, yeah, you you do like to poke yeah. holes. And, I like, I don't think... Yeah, I'm usually the one that, that's saying the Yankees stink and the Blue Jays are much better and then the Yankees uh, reel off 100 wins. So that is quite a departure from you. You know what? I was So I was talking to Shai yesterday on my show and I was thinking back to hype and like excitement surrounding seasons. And, and whenever you think about hype and, and like um, stupidly hyped seasons, you have to go back to 2013. 2013, 2016, and last year, I think, were the three most hyped seasons in 2016 my... 2016 was... was Deserving though, right? And and yeah, they course. did end up making an American League Championship Series with a team that was like old and decrepit and hurt by the end of it, and was clearly at the end of its window of contention. But yeah, 2013 was the one where they went from like a crappy team, made all these moves, and Vegas had them as favorites to win the World Series despite having never seen the pieces on the field, and like so much of that relying on Josh Johnson and Brandon Morrow, bro, uh, and Emilio Bonifacio. I went back and I looked at this old ESPN predictions piece for that season. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. every one of ESPN's analysts, except for one, had one of those two guys winning the Cy Young. Of course. Brandon Morrow or Josh Johnson. Of one course. of those two was put down by yeah. people to win the Cy Young. And sure. no. Yeah. 
they, they? Hey, oh, they did yeah. not. No, they but don't, but I do think that's kind of the interesting part of this. That's why I'm bringing up this discussion is that like 2013, 2016, and this year, like or last year, they all deserve hype. This one they don't really get. I don't uh, like. Yeah, well, that's so, the picture to no, me, they, but I don't they, know if it's complete. 2013 deserved hype because of all the moves, but they didn't yep. deserve the benefit of the doubt, right? Because we hadn't seen them. This team does. They won 92 yeah. games a season ago in kind of a disappointing season, right? Like they fired their manager Definitely in the middle. A d- disappointing season, yeah. They won Definitely. 92 games, right? And and were the the top wild card had home field advantage in the wild card. They didn't win the division, but they fired their manager in the middle of the season. Won 92 games, and yeah, they made some additions and they. They sent some guys out that were huge contributors to those 92 wins, but the core is still the same of a team that won 92 games. And, like, can Vlad be better than he was a season ago? I, I Man, I would sure hope so. Can Bo Bichette continue to build off what he's done consecutive years leading the American League in hits? Yeah, I think. Like, can Kevin Gossman be closer to what his numbers should have been last year in a, in a full season? 100%. That's it. Th- this team actually deserves... Your hype more, well, obviously way more than 2013. But I, I also think, like, man, we went so long without even really a sniff of the postseason there between 93 and 2015. And that that was part of the hype of, behind 2013 as well, that people thought, finally, finally, this is going to be a team that can can play October baseball. That it's, it's since 2015 and, like, the well, I mean, the – the changing of the guard there after 2016, 17, and the pandemic. But getting back to the playoffs in 2020, like playoffs have kind of become old hat now. Like it's not, it's not quite to the Leafs where it's like World Series or bust. But yeah, of course this team can world, uh, win a World Series, and that's not like shocking to people anymore. No, it definitely wouldn't be shocking to me. I'm not going to do the whole predictions thing of oh, and I think the Jays are going to win it because I just find that stuff. I thought you to already be... did. I thought you said they, they they're going to win the American League. I, I think I'm saying that I'm not going to really put too much like analysis and thought into this oh, and okay. just say, like, here's why they're going to win the World Series. I, I think, though, that the expectation for this team should be win the division, not make the playoffs this year. 100%. No, it absolutely – I mean, that's the thing. And you can talk about, hey, they need to win a, a, a playoff round or win a World Series. Like, sure, yeah. Like, if yeah. they win 110 games and then flame out in the division series, that will be pretty disappointing. But it's a different deal. Like, yeah, you got to focus on – the marathon 162-game regular season, could they, should they? Like, is it a, a a level of disappointment if they don't finish with a better record than the Yankees and Rays and don't win the American League East? Yeah, 100%. Like, that 100% should be the goal, is the goal, I think, for this team. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to start with the hype stuff because I don't think that they've gotten enough of it. I do have my uh, things that are less optimistic just in terms of uh, like a narrative predictor, I guess, maybe somebody looking at what is going to be important X factors, some of the different stuff. But yeah. What, what are you most excited for right now? Like what is the thing that you, and don't say the pitch clock because I, I know we're all excited for the pitch clock, but from the team standpoint, what excites you the most right now? Uh, I'm excited to see like, man, I I don't know if you meant like one individual player. It can be whatever you want as long as it's not a rule. I found myself over the last couple of days really buying into the Brandon Belt thing. And and I know the numbers were horrific last year, but there's big there's obvious reasons for it, right? Like guy had knee surgery, said he would retire if he didn't feel like himself after the knee surgery, and then, you know, signs a deal with the Blue Jays and says there's no excuse. Physical like physically, health wise says he feels hundred percent and you don't have to go like it's not like a hundred years ago that this guy was an elite offensive player 
in Major League Baseball in a ballpark where it's very difficult to be uh, an upper echelon offensive player, and he joins a division, a ballpark, where it's going to be much easier to hit. He's going to have a ton of lineup protection. Th- this team, yeah, the core is, is so similar from the last couple of seasons, but the tweaks that they've made are significant. This was the most right-handed heavy hitting team in all of Major League Baseball. They had the fewest platoon advantages of any of the 30 teams in Major League Baseball, and now you've got a guy hitting fourth in a team that has World Series aspirations who just a couple of years ago was what, like a top 20 offensive player in baseball playing at a ballpark where it might be easier to hit home runs, especially to right field, and there's no shift? Like, yeah, the, the, I'm really interested to see how the Brandon Belt thing goes. Yeah, I think that one of my biggest things is kind of building off of that a bit where I'm excited to see how they weaponize the depth of this team. Like, I don't really love second base, I'll be honest. I think that having Espinal, Merrifield, and Kevin Biggio, that's just like, hey, look at all these options you have that you don't like. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, the discount rack. sold you... on, on the month of, like, Whit Merrifield looking nah. like all-star Whit Merrifield last year? I, I, I'm not. And, and I will say that one of the things from spring that actually seemingly mattered to me, because I, I got asked a question yesterday. I went on another show and they asked me, hey, how much do you pay attention to spring? What do you care about from spring training? And I said, honestly, I know this is such a cop out, but nobody stepped on a sprinkler head. You know, nobody fell yeah. down the stairs or slipped in the dugout or had a oh, weird injury. Happened. Oh, Meister Asturias. We never, we hardly yeah, knew you. you. fell down it, the stairs. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so I just. It, they got out of there healthy. Vladdy had a minor knee thing that caused him to miss the World Baseball Classic. And outside of that, they just had Mitch White show up unhealthy and couldn't get healthy and whatever. That's that. That's fine. In the grand scheme of things, that is ultimately fine. But one of the other things that I actually did think sort of mattered was Whit Merrifield not being able to steal bases. And, yeah, just the idea that he's getting a little older. He might be a good baseball runner. And you can be a good base runner in this sport still at that age but I, I don't know I just if one of his biggest things is speed and he might be slowing down a touch he's 34 years old I want to say 34 35 yep. like no, he's 34 he, yeah he might just you, you might lose a beat there so anyway whatever second base that's my number one roster spot that I don't love but the rest of the team when it comes to depth I do like the idea that Brandon Bell can step in I do like the idea that you can have him be essentially like an awesome DH matchup guy I do like that they can tinker around and mess around with the outfield a little bit more that they just have like last year dude they started the season with ghost kate kato oh yeah you're we talking ourselves into that we were going right. hey he was my opening day guest on uh, on my opening day show last <laughs> yeah, year yeah. We, like... we we pulled the ghost kate kato lever by which i mean the blue jays said hey here's a player here's ghost yeah kate kato. <laughs> right they're just they're they're unquestionably a deeper team they're unquestionably a more balanced team i'm also from a depth standpoint, really excited about the idea that this is the first time the Blue Jays are going to start a season where I don't think the bullpen is a, a, a trouble spot or a sore spot. And I think that's going to help them cover up for potentially Kikuchi having struggles or whatever. But, dude, they, they have eight guys that you can actually throw in there and not feel like they're horrific. Trevor Richards yeah. was a high leverage guy to start last year. Now he's yeah. what? Like, what is he to them right now in terms of where he would rank in terms of expectations going into this year? He's a bubble guy, right? It's like Zach Pop, then him? Yeah, I mean, Richards has no options, so he's he's like, yeah. If you're, right. you're, you really have to see him be ineffective and unplayable for him. No, no, no. I mean more team, so yeah, from the, the standpoint of just like, yeah, of, yeah. hey, you're not Reverse relying splits. on Trevor Richards. Yeah, like, I think, yeah. 
I think they like his his changeup against lefties for sure. No, you're right about the bullpen. And then beyond that, I think depth is just like, yeah, what you said, that there are options if guys go down or guys go through slumps. And even in the bullpen, right? Like, and I know nobody wants to hear Nate Pearson's name necessarily until he becomes a thing, but he exists, right? Yeah, but right? he's kind of a thing now more. Yeah, he's he's at yeah. least he exists. Yeah, what you said is right. He Hey, hey, he, he exists he, he now. He exists. Yeah, Yosfer Azulueta is down, and then like later in the season, Ricky Tiedemann maybe becomes a factor. That's it. That there's that's what good teams have. It's like they they have good starters for sure, but there's layers, right? Like that you're not going to the Ghost Gate Catoes of the world. And I know Nathan Lucas made this team, but he made this team as like a 30 year old, well, 28 year old rookie uh, minor league journeyman, and yeah. basically Ross not, Atkins yeah. told everybody, it's like this is a great story, and and we yeah. did a human thing here with the last roster spot because he's never going to play. Yeah. So you like Otto Lopez? We do too, but we have this, an idea that he might be able to play baseball one day, so we want him to do that in Buffalo, and then, you know, if a, a need arises, he'll be at the major leagues. No, there's there's depth everywhere. Maybe not as much as I'd like out of the rotation. Um, yeah, and like when Drew spot. Hutchison's only a, a couple of, you know, injuries away from being in this rotation and, and Zach Thompson, you're, you're going to see him be a starting pitcher for the Blue Jays in, in 2023. But that's that's the, the nature of the game. You're never going to have like major league caliber arms in the minor leagues unless they're, they're a bunch of prospects banging on the door and, and the Blue Jays don't have that. But outside of that, I, there's there is a ton of depth. You know, we used to joke about how the front office might be robots, the way that they answered the media. That is the way that the machines would try to trick us, as they would say, look, we did a human thing. We brought up this human. You love human interest stories. (laughs) 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 This guy is a human interest story. (laughs) So that's why they put him on the team. He will bleed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that if this season goes wrong, if things start to go poorly, it's because they have the right amount of depth for the baseball team, but then every piece of depth essentially like beyond the major league roster is paper thin, right? It's And, and you're, you said it, not every organization is holding back like five major leaguers, six major leaguers, seven major leaguers, but it, I think it is noteworthy that they suffer a, a – like they have some injury-prone guys, right, in the outfield. And then you look at what the outfield could be if one of those guys drops, and it's pretty spooky. And you look at their starting pitching, boy, if they were to lose a a Gossman or a Manoa, mm-hmm. or Chris Bassett doesn't end up actually being good this year, which I'm I'm pretty high on Chris Bassett, but I'm just trying to illustrate the point. All of a sudden, yeah, you're into the Mitch Whites and the Zach Thompsons very, very quickly, and, and that's a little scary. Yeah. I think the bullpen is, again, that that is pretty deep. And you even mentioned it, having Nate Pearson down in – Triple A to start the year, having some other guys, some other arms that could step in and fill those roles, I think they're fine. But yeah, outside of those guys, like that, that to me is the only way the season goes poorly. Ultimately, that's a pretty good sign. I don't know. I just it, like that's it. How well, does and, the season and, go wrong? Injuries. Yeah, sure, and that's any team. But um, and and when we're talking about depth, we're talking about getting through a 162 game regular season because when yeah. we're talking about winning a World Series. It's it's the highest ceiling guys that are going to be impactful. And honestly, you look at a one-two of Manoa Gossman, and I mean, I I guess the the Yankees could have it if they get you know Carlos Rodon healthy. But yeah, that, there's few teams in baseball that will be able to stack up starters mm-hmm. like the Blue Jays will be able to come the postseason and and also yeah would you like a little bit more swing and miss out of the bullpen of course but that's the number one position everybody addresses at the trade deadline 
Um, the, yeah. the, the, the high upside offensive guys throughout the lineup, they're littered all over the place, right? And, and yeah. there is, as much as I'm still dubious of, of Vlad regaining the 2021 form, like, there is a path to him doing that, clearly, and, and there's lots of people smarter than me that believe he's capable of doing it. He's a guy who had a pretty mediocre season a year ago, and again, they still won 92 games. They were one of the top three offenses in baseball, if not the top, depending on which uh, which metric you want to look at. They took a step backwards with the lo- loss of Teoscar and Lourdes, but they should still be one of the best offenses in baseball. Yeah, dude, I, I think that's actually been one of the big turnarounds for me when, when you were talking off the top about how I'm not normally somebody that hypes it and that I've been nitpicking the offseason. It's still, it is it has felt to me like they're an outfield bat short, that, that, they, that they didn't need to do it because they moved two guys out that are outfield bats and I just felt like, man, why didn't you keep one of those two guys, right? Like, how much better do I feel about this team if they have Lourdes or Tay Oscar Hernandez? But I will admit that I, I think I hyperfixated on that to a certain degree and that I let it affect my opinion on this offense, where, again, I, I, I looked through the order, and I'm looking at it today, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. it's be pretty damn good. And the biggest part, the biggest reason why is the Vladdy thing. And so I want to talk about that with you now is this season feels so much to me like this – we talk about all these things, the depth, the injuries, look at the new guys, look at this, look at that, look at this. Ultimately, I think that there are three main position player narratives. Actually four, because I'll say George Springer's health is one and whether or not moving him uh, over to right field and is, is going to be enough to keep him healthy and how much they're going to feel like they want to rest him and whether or not he can actually sort of dial back his game in the regular season just a touch to avoid getting hurt. But the three position players that I want to talk to you about now, it's going to be Varsho, it's going to be Bo, it's going to be Vladdy. But I want to start with Vladdy. Vladdy OPS 818 last year. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's fine. <laughs> that, that's good. But he entered the season, Jeff Passan wrote, he was the greatest offensive player in the game ahead of Mike yeah. Trout. Mm-hmm. He OPS over a thousand the year before, right? Like this uh-huh. is a guy who was he led the league in home runs, he led the league in runs, he was uh, led the league in on base percentage, slugging, like OPS. He was the man a year before, and if Vladdy can find that offense, then to me, I, I go, well, how much are you going to end up losing from last year's team? If Vladdy can actually hit the extra, what was it, sixteen home runs that he left off of the table last year, from one year to the next? How much is that just going to help the team in general? So you remember how they entered the season and it felt like there was too much pressure on Vladdy's shoulders because there were injuries? I don't know how he is different psychologically this year in terms of how he feels he needs to carry it, but I actually do feel as though, yeah, he needs to be just like the special talent in the middle. He's got to be closer to the MVP 22-year-old Vlad. And if he has another year where he's the 23-year-old Vlad, I, I do wonder if the offense is going to be good enough. Yeah, I, I, we've seen it. So, yeah, you can't say that it's not in him. I just – it's that 2021 season was so weird for so many different reasons. It's nobody's fault, right, that they played in two ballparks in Dunedin and Buffalo that played like – they made Coors Field yeah. look like a, like a peanut, like, like nothing. Like they were the most offensively explosive ballparks in the history of Major League Baseball because they're not Major League Baseball ballparks. And I'm not saying that it makes any sense. It's not like the walls are significantly different. They just it, – they did, right? And Vlad at, like, OPS 1,300 over those couple of months where he was playing home games there. And then, I mean, the numbers are right in front of our faces if you want to go look at how he fared, which was good, but not the same guy that 
was the best offensive player in baseball for the first half of 2021. The further we get from that season, the the less belief I have that he can be that guy. I want him to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And I think it starts and mm-hmm. I think he's rightly identified this during spring training and it's it's a it's a fine line, but it starts with swinging at your pitch. So much of the ground ball percentage, so much of the like league leading double play stuff is being too aggressive because he knows he has this institutional ability to make contact with any pitch, no matter where it's thrown, whether it's from Garrett Cole. It doesn't matter. If it's on the edge, he can actually take it out of the park for a home run. But not every time. And, you know, you have a better chance of doing that with the pitches that are 3-1 fastballs right down the middle of the plate. But you got to get yourself in those counts. So I think mm-hmm. that refrain that we've heard, and it's not the first time, honestly, that we've heard it. I mean, we heard it in the middle of the season last year, but it, it, I do believe that that is the path to Vladdy regaining the 2021 Vladdy thing. It's just, do, do you go too far? Do you, do you become passive? Do you start letting those first pitch fastballs go by that are right down the middle that you had been hitting for home runs? So that'll be watching how he approaches his plate appearances early in the season, I think will be pretty indicative. You know what though, man, a lot of this team has been about uh, maturity and attention to detail and, taking the next step as a team. Yeah, there's stuff. The base paths are going to matter, right? Guys not giving out free outs. Guys being more diligent in their defense. It is going to be a completely different look from Teoscar Hernandez, you know, bobbling a ball once every week and a half uh, to having George Springer out there and Kiermaier out there and Dalton Varsho. But... Yeah, what I do think ultimately is going to be the biggest sign of that maturity is going to be Vladdy's approach at the dish. It's it's the most important piece of all of this. It's not going to be, hey, you tried to get an extra base, right, in the middle of June. It's going to be, does Vladdy improve his pitch selection, and is he able to just, yeah, maintain himself? I, I just find it interesting, the pressure part of this, because there there definitely were times where it felt like he was wearing it last year from a... Oh, man, when he would go oh, into well, a slump. Especially when Bo, like, basically had four months where he was n- not unplayably bad, but, like, you were like, oh, is bad. this guy's has, has he been figured out? Have, have have we seen the best of Bo Bichette in the past? And then, of course, went absolutely hand the last month and a half of the season yep. to get his numbers back to respectability. But though, that was supposed to be a one-two punch. It was a one and not even a half punch. Guy was knocked down to seventh in the order. and if, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you got you got above average offense out of Matt Chapman, but that wasn't necessarily the the best version of Matt Chapman either. No, there was a hundred percent a pressure element of of what we saw from Vlad last year. There was, and and that's why I'm curious to see sort of what happens this year with him because he's still going to be only 24 years old, and it doesn't feel as mo- though there's as much pressure on him wise like there was a couple of years ago with hey make sure that you're in crazy good shape and we're going to be talking about Vladdy's body we're going to be talking about this we're going to be talking about trailer not the movie are you going to be exciting are you going to be the face of the league the the greater conversations around him have sort of quieted down but i'm i'm wondering how much in that actual clubhouse when he looks around and doesn't see his buddies there anymore doesn't see the same amount of power and that his contract is sort of now in the looming territory right imagine he went another off season where he didn't yeah. get a contract extension it would be one of the biggest stories in the sport it would be oh so the, these guys are straight up moving off of this dude they're they're not keeping vladimir guerrero junior they're going to end up shopping him or they're going to end up dropping him one of the two things how how that sort of comes together 
with the pressure or whether or not he's able to overcome that and sort of just have all that maturity piece and realize that, yeah, he doesn't need to just carry the entire offense every single night and show up, do his job, be a little bit more selective and be closer to that MVP candidate. I I believe that Vladdy is going to have a monster season. I, I genu- Like, he had down-ballot MVP votes yes, last year. He was MVP 16, which is shocking to kind of read considering the year he had. But I, I do think that he will finish top 10 in MVP voting this year. You know what's interesting is, yeah, you obviously want the guy hitting the ball in the air, but he hit the ball on the ground so hard that that's resulted in his American League leading double play totals. I wonder how yep. the, sh- the lack of shift impacts him, right? Like that, that's You don't want him getting a bunch of ground ball base hits through the left side, but... Yeah. If you see a couple of those go through, does it impact your confidence? Like, are you more willing to take a couple of pitches and maybe work yourself into a better account now that you, you know, you got a couple of base hits in your back pocket? Because, man, you look at the numbers across the board in spring training and, and what can uh, apply to the regular season, the batting average on balls in play for yeah. both right-handed hitters and left-handed hitters who were pulling the ball. Like, right-handed, I was shocked to see the uptick of, like, 40 points in batting average on balls in play by right-handed hitters. Yeah, you mentioned that. I will say, though, just from a – this is anecdotal and like, my memory, not the actual numbers, but it never really felt like Vladdy was hitting into the shift last year. felt like he was just well, beating it right to where the shortstop was. It, yeah, I, I think you'd be surprised. Like, I think you'd be okay, surprised, yeah. especially about, you know, those, those ground balls up the middle. Because those are base hits now, right? You cannot yeah. position a fielder behind second base. It's illegal. <laughs> those are base hits that have been base hits for 100 years in the sport. They're back to being base hits. So I think, yeah, it it, it didn't feel that way. And honestly, I, I thought right-handed hitters wouldn't be impacted at all. But the numbers bore out the fact that right-handed hitters didn't mm. benefit as much as left-handed hitters in spring training. But there, w- there was a, r- a real impact. Well, that is especially interesting for him, considering like he can put the ball anywhere. Yeah, In, like, including the seats. Yeah. Well, oh, I thought you were gonna take a shot. I was. I, I actually was a little taken back by the way that you went there with the cadence. I went, oh, here he comes with his Vlad hate. No, man, okay. I don't. I, I, I listen. Yeah, yeah. For people, for the uninitiated, I'll, I'll lay out my 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 Vlad take. I I think yes, he's capable of being great, great, great. I thought. And I know how young he is. He's only 24 years old, and I, I realize how young he was when he made his Major League debut. But mm-hmm. the thing that I thought we would see from this guy right out of the gate was his his um, his ability to recognize balls and strikes. Right? That's what we saw throughout his minor league career. We just haven't seen it. And and I don't I don't know if a half a season of being an elite offensive player means that yeah you you should be regarded as a top top. 20 player in the sport, which he is like routinely. Again, number 16, ESPN had him ranked. Okay, so the guy who else that was second in the rankings, this is kind of a good place to bring him up because you mentioned the shift and the defense and all this different stuff. I, I have um, two real pressure theories, or two other real pressure theories, because I think Vladdy is one, right? How he handles being the face of this team, how he feels going into a year where it was a disappointment for him personally. Um, where he might feel as though he needs to be a better offensive player um, for a variety of different reasons. But, yeah, Bo is number two, and this is my Bo pressure point. I think he's going to have his offensive numbers at the end of the year, right? But I also think that it's more important on this team that he doesn't start off with a slump the way that he did last year. And now with the new defensive rules and with – 
the outfield and just the fact that this baseball team kind of all around is go look at it position by position. They are really sound defensively, except for at the most important defensive position. And I do wonder if a bubbling narrative or a potential narrative for Bo is if the offense is not elite for his position, which it probably will be, but I'm talking no slumps where you're OPSing 667 for an entire month, right? Like, He's got to avoid those because I think that when he goes into his dips this year, it's going to become more painfully apparent that he might not be a good defender when Kevin Kiermeyer is in your outfield next to Dalton Varsho, right? When you've got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's a gold glover at first base, when you've got Santiago Espinal, who's going to be playing a lot at second, when you've got Matt Chapman playing a lot at third. I, how do you feel about just like the Bo Bichette narrative going into the year because I think like his defense might be talked about a lot this year if it doesn't take a step forward. I the the case that you outlined and the pressure and like the slow start offensively with the average to below average glove at shortstop is a conversation I had like for months last year. This was I, I th- this guy was so not invaluable because then you're valuable if you're invaluable. But so uh, below what I thought his value should be on this team for the first few months. You made that so much season. more confusing than it needs to be. I know, I know, because I was about to say invaluable, yeah. but then you'd be like, yeah. "Well, that." So he was he was valuable. No, it's yeah, it's kind of like flammable he's, is inflammable. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah I, got, um, I got it. No, <laughs> his defense was pretty rotten basically all season long. But you forgot about it by the end of the season because he was he just he he was the most exciting best offensive player on this team for a whole month and he was ridiculous OPSing over a thousand in September Mm -hmm. um but we've done that before with him I do I expect him to like all of a sudden be some elite defender at that position no he is a guy though that we've seen be an average defender at shortstop but you you rightly pointed out that if he's an elite elite bat then it doesn't matter and I don't know maybe I'm doing too much of the like putting my own brain into what I think Bobichette uh, his thought process is, and part of this might be just figuring it out offensively by the end of last season. I really do think the contract security and like seeing him smile for maybe the first time ever on camera when he talked about signing the three-year deal and the certainty that comes with that, and like not going to arbitration. And of of course, like there's there's bigger things ahead for him, and he he's still you know battling to have his 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 life-altering. Uh, generational wealth contract at the end of his years of team control with the Blues. I I just it, it feels like that's a thing for this guy, that he doesn't have to worry about the financial element of it. Not like he's going to be destitute, but that's not a thing that year over year they have to battle with this team, like declining $20,000 raises or whatever. I, I, I feel like that's a thing with him and that he's going to carry over. He's not going to be a guy that OPS is 1300 for a whole season because he'd be the best player that ever lived. But I, I think there's more there with, with Bo Bichette. Like, I feel like the floor... Is, is pretty high. We've seen him, like, he's super, super consistent, but that there might be more there from a, a power perspective, I, 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 I don't discount the possibility. Yeah, um, I hope so. But again, the, the start of this year, to me, is going to matter a little bit more. Maybe it won't because at the end of the year when they come back, like, ultimately, Bo had a pretty disappointing season last year, and we ended up going, damn, he was incredible because that September October was so so special for him. But he OPSed five thirty five in April and March last year. Yep. And he faced I, I, no left handed pitchers. Like it was like literally, I think he had like two plate appearances in the first two months against 
left-handed pitchers and not like they're going to be rolling him out, but he's sure. going to face more than that this year, I okay. would say. And also, like, disappointing offensive season, his OPS plus. So the offense was so down last year that he had a better season if from an OPS plus perspective in 2022 than he did in 2021. Yeah. Again, he really did normalize with a spectacular finish to the year, but for the most part, he was somewhere between, you know, uh, OPSing 740 and 720, you know? Wouldn't, like, you take, wouldn't you rather have a guy finish the season strong than start it strong, right? Yeah, like, of course. That's the end what of the mean? season. Of course. They all no, but meet. That, it just it was so funny because it threw all of the discussion around him into such a blender because we had mm-hmm. spent four months going, Bobachev has been really disappointing, Bobachev has been really disappointing. Then he was so unbelievably good and so incredibly reliable that – it threw out the entire – like, I just – if you're going to yes. do the thing about Vladdy Rightly with so. the – Yes, sure. But if you're going to do the thing with Vladdy where you say, hey, there's more of a sample of him not being an MVP candidate than there is of one being an MVP candidate, I do think that there's something to be said about, yeah, the way Boba Shett's year was and the way that we're all interpreting it. Anyway, I do think that there's more pressure on him defensively to be better this year because I think the team is going to be better, and we've seen how this kind of compounds for guys. There's no more mm-hmm. Teoscar Hernandez making mistakes, right? There's just mm-hmm. – like, those pieces are gone. There's no more Lourdes Gurriel Jr. where we make the jokes about how the hell is this guy a gold glover, right? Mm-hmm. When all he's good at is throwing the baseball far, which should be kind of the requirement for someone at his position. I, he's the only guy. He's the only guy on the team. Yeah. Other like, Is Kirk even viewed as a minus defender? He's a way better oh, no, defensive player than we thought he was going to be, right? Exactly. Yeah, so some I, I don't think that there is a minus on this team when they start their best lineup that is a defensive player, except for one guy. And so Correct. if you put those two things together, those Bobochet slumps and then some errors at shortstop, I do feel like he is kind of the number one boy the worm can turn from a narrative standpoint. The only thing is that's going to be annoying, even if he does that and people start having those conversations, everyone is going to go, but you remember last year where he yeah. turned it on and he's going to end up doing that. I just I think he needs to be more consistent. There's no doubt about it. Like I, I would rather Honestly. have those numbers spread out a little bit better throughout the year. That's okay. So that's where I get bogged down. It's like consistent, right? Okay, yeah. He had yeah, some okay. really bad months, and then he had some incredible months, and then finished the yeah. season with the like. To me, that is consistency. Look that's at his baseball right. reference page. Yeah. Like, I get year it. Year over year over year. This is what yes. I'm talking about. The floor, like you know, Bo Bichette is going to be an above average hitter. At but the Benny, most we did that during hitter. the year. You and I had those conversations I, where we would I know. go. His numbers are because look it the was same only his second full season in the major leagues, yeah. right? It, only his second time playing a hundred and sixty-two game regular season. So you weren't a hundred percent convinced. Now that he's thrown back-to-back seasons of being almost exactly that, so he was an OPS yeah. plus of one twenty-seven last year. Career average uh, OPS plus one twenty-seven. This is what yeah. he is. Like he's at very least a very very so, good so you're saying player. that all of it is basically just who cares because he is the ultimate just you you have to let it go you have to be patient baseball player where he's going to frustrate you it's going to be highs and lows highs and lows but ultimately it's just like all we are going to be able to fixate on is his defense and that will be the only real story about Bobochet this year no i'm i'm saying that i mean ideally he's doesn't have the lows as low as they were to start the season but if they are this guy has now thrown up enough track record for me now that he's done it now that he's pulled himself out of what was i thought an impossible hole to pull himself out of that i yeah. i now am convinced of what he is right like i i'm i'm convinced that vladimir guerrero junior is a slightly above average offensive player and he plays for his base i'm not convinced that that he's an mvp candidate like top 5 mvp candidate year over year i am mm-hmm. convinced though that bobachet 
is whatever his defensive shortcomings are, his offense at that position makes it palatable. I'm, okay. I'm convinced of that now. No, yeah, that's and and that is that is a fair take, and I think that's probably the correct take. I just, boy, I, I would really like to see some at least halfway decent defense, and I don't want to just hear about oh he has good range, but he actually doesn't end up making plays. And I go, okay, well that's great because yeah, what does that down matter? On errors. The yeah, errors. What does that matter? Yeah, if he cuts down on the errors, I think that he will be fine. I'm just telling, like, that will be the big bow narrative to me is, is he the hole in the otherwise really good defense? Okay, that moves me to the last position player pressure point. We'll do this one, and then we'll take a quick break. Um, how much pressure do you think is on Dalton Varsho? I, I think a lot. Honestly, Same. he's a guy, also, I've been thinking about recently. So his defense is elite, elite, elite. Like, led no the question. major leagues and outs above average, playing center field. And now he's playing left field. Like, this guy is going to be an incredible, incredible defender. And he's going to hit some home runs and maybe protected in this lineup. And, and the dimensions at Rogers Center probably going to help him. Hey, who doesn't want to see this guy, left-handed power bat, uh, swing the stick at, at Yankee Stadium? That'll be all very nice and good. He's almost unplayably bad against left-handed pitchers. Yeah. And um, you, you you traded you know your top catching prospect and a likable guy and a good offensive player for him, and not just for the bat. Like you, I think the primary selling feature was well the years of team control, but the defense. But he's got to do something against left-handed pitchers, um, and he hasn't in his entire career. And and what what this team does, how it aligns itself against left-handed pitchers, I think will be super interesting because I, I think they're going to try as as often as possible to get George Springer into the DH uh, slot. And I guess against lefty pitchers, pulling Brandon Belt out of that position makes the most sense there. But then you don't get yep. Alejandro Kirk on days that he's not catching into the lineup. Yep. Um, and you'd like to have fewer black holes at the bottom of the lineup because like, we, we all know what Kevin Kiermeyer is, which is a valuable player if he's playing the defense that he normally can play. But yeah, you got two of those guys who become zeros offensively at the bottom of the order against left-handed pitchers. Okay, so then they're out, but then you're taking a step back from the thing that you spent this entire offseason doing, which is improving yourself from, what, like 16th defensively in the outfield to, I think, a top three defensive yeah. outfield team against right-handed. Like, what is what is your thought process against lefties? I like Dalton Varsho. I, I, I kind of... I think the Blue Jays maybe are hoping there's a little bit more off uh, there offensively. I'm, I'm not like the, the track record suggests that there's not a ton against left-handed pitching, which like there, there's way more right-handed pitchers than left-handers in, yeah. in major league baseball, but could be an interesting situation also at the end of games with tough land left-handed relievers coming in. Buddy, he hit one home run off of left-handed pitching last year. He opened nice. as five fifty-three. It's really bad. Like I said, yeah, I think the on base against lefties was like two seventy. Yeah, it was dreadful. And the reason why, okay, I think that he's a big-time pressure point is you're not going to see the thing that he's most valuable at for, like, large swaths of the season, which is playing center field. He's going to be out and left, and you're going to say, okay, that's great. How many uh, spectacular plays get made in left field? Uh, I would argue not a ton. When he does play center, I think he will play center a good portion of the year because you don't want to have Kiermaier be an everyday player. But... Yeah, I, I do think that if you're bringing in a guy because his defense is plus-plus, that if he's in the corner, like, left field spot, 
it is going to diminish it a little bit from a public standpoint and from a number standpoint. And then, yeah, you mentioned it. He doesn't hit well against lefties. And then there is also the fear potential of Danny Jansen has not been healthy his entire career. And what happens if he goes down with a pretty significant injury again this season and you're left with a minor league catcher, you know, the classic depth catcher that the organization... Yeah. Put some respect so, on Rob Brantley's name. All right. So, yes, exactly. You're bringing up Rob Brantley, and then all of a sudden, if Gabriel Moreno is raking in Arizona, it's going to become a massive story. So, yeah, he's got the lefty power alley, and he does have power, especially against right-handed hitting. He's uh, OPS of 800 guy, right? He's going to look really, really good there. He's going to have some spectacular moments, but... I've always been a believer of you want to have a ton of success pretty early and in your first year as a new free agent signing to make sure that you are ingratiated to the market. And I think there's a lot about him that could become like super popular here. But I could, I, I basically feel like it's going to be one of the two extremes with Dalton Varsho in this market that people are going to either look at him and go, holy crap, we gave up Gabriel Moreno for you. Or they're going to go, holy crap, this guy totally changed our ball club and he's just a baller and he figured it out and he's amazing. We love him. Don't you get yeah. that sense? Yeah, well, and it also like it, there's a possibility that he's hitting sixth in this lineup again, one yeah. that's supposed to be the best in the major leagues, and if not the best, like one of the best. So yeah. that's a that's a lot to put on one a new guy, two a guy with um, basically one full season in the major leagues, and and three mm-hmm. a guy who can hit the ball out of the ballpark, take the occasional walk, but. Big, big swing and miss, and 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 not necessarily playable offensively against left-handed pitching. I mean, I, I wouldn't give too much credit to the walks thing. No. His on-base percentage was three hundred two last year. Yeah, but he only hit two thirty-five, so it's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, it's yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just say, yeah, for, to, to be the marquee free agent to come in here and be like, I actually don't hit left-handed pitching at all, and I hit 235 last year. You're like, oh, that's good, but at least you're going to be the clutch defensive center fielder, right? And he's like, actually, I won't be playing center field. It's just, it, it's, it's, it's interesting, and it's going to be uh, something to monitor. Anyway, let's take a quick break. Let's wrap this sucker up. Uh, futures bets time uh, with Ben Ennis on Good Hour. Subscribe to this podcast. Leave five stars. Quick break. We'll be right back with Ben. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Well, that was a fun break where Ennis and I just doom-casted everything yeah. potentially that could go bad with Dalton. See, Martin. normally that stuff it makes it to air on these opening day shows. So, yeah. Well, it kind of did. We said it. that it's, it, there's, Their difficulty with this Blue Jays team is how those pieces fit together against left-handed pitching now, which is hilarious because they were... Everyone would get so excited when the Jays would face a lefty. They would go, they're going to mash this guy. And then they were so disappointing last year against lefties. And now at least the hype is gone from, like, when the lefties, the junk baller lefty. How many times have the Blue Jays been completely shut down by some junk baller lefty, some Ryan Yarbrough type where they show up and you're expecting the Jays to run up the score and then they just don't. And you say, how did this happen? How did it go this way? At least now there will be an explanation, which is, oh, it's because you had to DH Springer and you had to – have an outfield that had Kevin Kiermeyer and Dalton Varsho against lefties, which isn't great. It's the bottom of your guy. It's not great. Not uh, no. and Brandon Belt. They'll catch everything. So that's yeah. You just yeah. win every baseball game two one against lefties with a home run, a solo home run from Vlad and a solo home run from Bobuchet. Yeah. You gotta win in a variety of different ways. Just like with sports betting, it's time for best bets. Brought to you by Botano, the 2022 Global Sports Betting. Operator of the year, the streak is over. Unfortunately, um, 
I'm really hurt by it because I thought the Leafs completely outclassed the Panthers last night, and they absolutely should have had it. The plus 150 for the minus one and a half it was sitting right there. The Panthers' net is empty, and then, yeah, Geo and Lilligren end up taking the penalty. The Panthers tie the game. The rest is history. I really thought it was happening. I thought it was a perfect scenario. But, yeah, thank you, Alex Lyons, for your once-in-a-lifetime performance had to be against my bet uh, to ruin the streak to end it at five. So we'll try to start a new streak. I'm not going to go with one that's for tonight, though. I'm going to talk about the futures with the Blue Jays right now. And, Benny, uh, I actually think that there's value for the Jays to win the American League East. There's there's three future bets for the Blue Jays that you can make right now, right? Well, four, but... To have them win the World Series, I don't really love the price. It's plus 900. It's just it's it's not enough for a World Series champion. I'm looking for value that's a little bit further down the board. Like, I see a team like the Mariners at plus 1,900 and go, hmm, that, that interests me more. I see the, even the Rays at plus 1,900, and I say that interests me more than the Blue Jays at plus 900. So I, I can't properly endorse that when those teams, even like the White Sox plus 3,400, I, I looked at that one and thought that's a decent long shot, decent ticket that you can take, big-time flyer. But I do like the Jays to win the American League East. Uh, I mentioned off the top of the show, I think the Yankees are starting the year with a bunch of injuries. I think it's important for Toronto to get off hot. I think they're a more balanced team. I think they're a deeper team. I think that they're better suited to win in this division. And the Jays are plus 210 to win the American League East. So I really don't mind that as a futures bet. I'm going to lay a pretty heavy wager on it. That is my favorite out of all of these. Because the Blue Jays to make the playoffs is minus 222, which is also not great value. I'm not sitting there every week. Their win total is 90.5 at minus 125, which I think is okay. But I don't want to sit all season long for a minus 125 bet that I can just basically bet them tonight to win and get close to that price. So I'm going to go with the Jays to win the American League East, plus 210 on Botano. That, that's my favorite bet for the Blue Jays when it comes to a preseason future. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you're projecting like a month from now when the, the, the Yankees still don't have Carlos Rodon, but he's on his way yeah. back maybe, and Luis Severino is on his way back, but the, the Blue Jays have put together a nice little start to the season, that the odds would be flipped a little bit. Like if you're looking yep. at playing the, the like stock market price of what that American League East uh, price might be, I think, yeah, in in a couple of weeks that might look real good. Yeah, I like that one a lot. That was Best Bets, brought to you by our friends at Botano Sportsbook. The game starts now. And yes, I will be... Uh, I'll be doing quite a few wagers on today's game, which I will be watching with uh, Ennis at the pub later on this afternoon. Uh, I can't wait, buddy. I really can't wait to just be sitting down watching baseball again and having all of my takes that none of them survive essentially two weeks. Uh, yeah, that We're back. Really we're good. all the way back. Uh, we got to run. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave five stars. We'll see you tomorrow. Break down the game with Joe Siddle. Talk to you then.